Today, we are joined by John Cooper, lead singer of the multi-platinum artist Skillet and host of the Cooper Stuff podcast, where we discuss his new book, Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters podcast. Come on, man. Is this well? Don't embarrass this, yourself no, in front no, of our guest. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm picking, but I'm trying to remember the song. Well, John, can you hear it? You know I can hear uh, it now. <laughs> man. So now I'm putting Gary. Yeah, on the you're spot. on the spot with the name of the song. That's the problem. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's his his best selling song, right? This is your best selling song. Yep, that's it. Well, well, to 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 my credit. John, I've I've missed a lot of best-selling songs on this show on getting the name of the song right. <laughs> I should have given you a little hint. All right, Mr. Producer, that's good, so we can explain to our audience what the heck we're talking about. So the name of that song. Well, is, I think a lot of people are going, "Oh, th- is this guy on the show really?" That that recognized the song. So the name of the song is Monster. And um, before we get into our guest, John Cooper from Skillet. Did you know, Gary, that that song was, among its other uses, and and John, you might not even know this because, you know, once your song is being played and licensed everywhere, did you know that the Cleveland Monsters, an AHL hockey affiliate in Ohio, so the first level of minor league hockey, actually uses that song, both both as their goal-scoring song and as kind of their intro uh, guys entering the ice every night? Yes, I actually did know that. Yeah, I've had I've had fans tell me, you know, I thought it was so cool. Isn't that awesome? I'm I'm a big yeah. hockey fa- I'm a big hockey fan, big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. So, anytime I find a little hockey connection to throw in here, I love to do we, that. We got to do that for sure. So today, Gary, we're pleased to be joined by our very special guest, as we kind of tipped our audience to last week, John Cooper. And John, I'm going to go give you the formal bio so our audience knows. So excuse me, I want to make sure everybody knows who we're talking to today. Uh, John is the lead vocalist, bassist, and songwriter and producer for the rock band Skillet, an artist with whom I think most of our audience, or at least some of our audience, would be familiar. Skillet is a two-time Grammy-nominated artist, has sold over 17 million records. Woo. And uh, John, you have a ten- Tennessee connection. Weren't you born and raised in Memphis? That's right. Oh, all right. So there's a you legitimate there's a legitimate Tennessee like connection it. to our Freedom Matters That's podcast awesome. today. Uh, John's wife, Corey, this is, I find this incredible. So John's wife, Corey, has toured with him in the band for the entire 25 years of marriage. Is it still 25 or is it more now? It's more now. See, 26 years of marriage, 27 years of skillet. That is highly unusual for a husband and wife. And your kids also have toured with you, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's in college. My son is a senior in high school. And this is his last year touring with skillet. So he, he's made that known. After after high school, <laughs> he does never want to come back on the road again. <laughs> and that's really unusual. It's fantastic because I have seen on my side of the industry, Bardings knows I'm an entertainment lawyer. I've seen so many families break apart because of touring and how that. Uh, I, I remember, in in fact, of a family that I know very well who didn't break apart, but the husband said whenever he went away. If he was away for a weekend, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows, that was okay. He could reimmerse. But if he was ever gone for two weekends and, and the week in between, he said it was always like starting all over again. And mm. uh, he did that for, he's one of the um, legacy artists. He's been doing it for about 30 years. 
Mm. But back to John's intro. So, John, I want to make sure that our audience knows that you and your wife are very passionate about sharing the truth of Christ to the world through music, but that you also have not just music. You have a regular podcast called the Cooper Stuff Podcast. You've already written one best-selling book called Awaken Alive to the Truth, and you're getting ready to release, is it this week, next week, your brand new book that we're going to talk about? Uh, it's on November 14. November 14th. So this will this will release on a few days before that. I, think. I feel like that's the same day as uh, Roger Simon's new book, too, American Refugees. Oh, it's boy. Crazy. Yeah. Big day, then. Two Tennessee connections, some big releases. So the name of that book is Wimpy, Weak, and Woke, and we get to the end of the program, we'll give you an opportunity to Love tell that. our audience where they can get that book. But, John, I want to start off by saying I noticed that one of the endorsements for your new book actually came from Kirk Cameron. Um, and Kirk Cameron, I and Gary and I have both talked about this, is what we believe to be one of the few men of Issachar in Hollywood. That is, he understands the times and he knows what to do. And uh, you actually have a connection with Gary because of this, because Gary actually had Kirk Cameron endorse him for his state Senate race. Yeah, last year. Was last a blessing. year. Yeah. So even though you guys have not met, you have a, a common thread in Kirk Cameron, who, by the way, also gave the most amazing, biblically reformed defense of the duty of the church in the political sphere at our church at uh, Conduit about a month ago. Yeah. I also saw, John, You uh, this book's got a, an endorsement from uh, Dr. Michael Brown. A lot of affinity for me there. I was, I, I'm a graduate of the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry back in, back in Pensacola in the day, and Dr. Brown was oh. our Bible college president. So he's, a, he's definitely a spiritual father of mine. So it was cool to see, see his wow. name on there. Yeah, really great. That's so cool! Wow, I, I love to hear that. I had no, I had no idea either one of those things. So uh, wonderful, man. So John, I, I want to give you one more um, sort of platform to talk about and, and kind of give us some background, and that is that uh, people in our industry. I've worked in the music business for thirty-one years, and uh, and much of that in the Christian music business. I've known of you for years. We talked yesterday about. Um, I remember seeing you on Festival Condias. Uh, 23 years ago, back in the early years before your success really, <laughs> really launched. But it was not until you began speaking against the leftward lean in our culture that people began to draw your attention to me because they knew of my conflicts that I had had with the Obama era IRS and, um, and everything that was going on there and how, how I had lost a lot of business because of my political stands. And so I wanted to start the conversation, John, by tell us how you went from being um, an artist who perhaps didn't want to get engaged in the political sphere, or at least said, look, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I don't want to get engaged in politics, but you kind of got drawn into it in the last, what, five, six, seven years, haven't you? Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that probably the, the, the best way to describe it is this. Around 2013, Actually, I wouldn't mind starting a little earlier. Please do. Let's start earlier. Before 2013, I was your typical evangelical in the sense that I loved God. I loved the Bible. Um, I wanted to be a man of the kingdom of God. I didn't care about politics. I didn't understand politics. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it, because in college I studied a little bit of, of political philosophy because I wanted to major in history. I was going to minor in political science because I enjoyed it, but I never really got to many of those classes because I did so terribly in college. I was failing out. And luckily God saved me and gave me a music <laughs> career. Thank Jesus for that. <laughs> Amen. Because um, I wasn't very academic, but I was sort of like, hey, I enjoy 
politics, but I'm not about politics. I'm about the kingdom of God. I'm about the gospel. And I don't want to get drawn into any of those things. So, so for, for the people listening that probably listen to you guys and know about philosophy, you could pretty much call me a typical pietistic evangelical Christian. Around 2013 is when I started noticing friends of mine in the Christian music industry that were posting very political things online, but they were all political things that I would disagree with. Mm-hmm. So so again, I'd never made political statements. I was just a normal conservative pro-life, you know, I like America, <laughs> Amen. Uh, towards sort of evangelical. Well, all of a sudden, 2013, there's Christian artists posting. At the time, I wouldn't have known what to call it. So now I would call it woke stuff. It'd be pro-BLM. Mm-hmm. It would be sort of pro, um, I'm sure you guys, as are familiar with the AND campaign, mm-hmm. you know, you know what the AND campaign is. There, the AND campaign is one of these organizations. They say they're they're not progressive and they're not conservative. <laughs> they're just biblical, but really they're just a left leaning yes. uh, organization that sort of says, "Hey, we're w- you know we're against abortion, but we're also basically socialist." Mm-hmm. Is basically what they're saying. <laughs> they, I, I call uh, they're basically like third wayers, but I just think of them as left wing. Marxist. Um, well, because because that, Jesus was a socialist, didn't you know that? I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like that. So these artists were posting these things pro BLM. They were saying if you're not if you're not standing against racial justice and the evil of America, blah blah blah, then you then you have a they called it a thin gospel. It's a thin gospel. It's not thick. It's thin. You're not doing justice. And that is when I got really confused because I'd never heard these things before. So I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. But it was getting very confusing. And so I started going, I need to understand what's going on. And I didn't know who to listen to. I started talking to my pastor. I was saying, what's going on with all this? And the truth is I wasn't getting any answers. And so I just said, Lord, I don't want to go down the wrong the wrong path. I need you to bring me the right books to read, the right people to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I began a journey from about 2013 to about 2016. I read about 150 books. I read systematic theology, political philosophy. Uh, I read everything I get my hands on. And it was, it was towards the end of, of 2016 when I was like, I understand what's going on now. I see the world we're living in. Um, it's a postmodern world. It's a pro-Marxist world. 2016 is when I read my first book on critical race theory. So I was a little bit, a slightly ahead of the game yeah. for, in terms of the, yeah, of the mainstream bit. world, that is. And, and when I read critical race theory, I was like, oh, <laughs> and now I see what's going on. And it all brought it together. And that's when I started going, man, all of these political things that we're hearing are not just politics. These are totalizing worldviews that set themselves in opposition to Christianity. My Christian friends who are posting pro-critical uh, race theory, pro-BLM, pro-Marxism, pro, uh, I would call it pro-choice, um, they're all on the wrong side of this stuff. This isn't an issue of, hey, right. you, you know, we disagree on taxes you know, we disagree on a border policy. That is not what's going on. These are ideologies mm-hmm. setting themselves up against the kingdom of God. And I believe they will be the undoing of the American project. And that has led me to why I've become so vocal about it and why my new book 
somebody asked me in an interview, they said, your first book was just Awaken Alive to Truth. And now this one's like antagonistic. What, why <laughs> did you jump into this? And I said, I'm not trying to be antagonistic, but we are at the verge of the destruction of the entire West. And I cannot believe that Christians don't think this is a really terrible thing. So before, I want to give you an opportunity to speak to that, but you you talked about 2016, which everybody knows, 2016 was the year that Trump got elected, and it was a big inflection point in America, if not for any other reason than exposing to a lot of people what was going on. But I note that in 2017, you were mentioned, or you talk about this Billboard magazine article called Christian Music in Trump's America, and that was kind of an inflection point, wasn't it, as far as your activity and people trying to draw you in to saying something, and because you weren't at that time speaking with the left, then they were going after you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's sort of like um, if anybody, maybe it's only guys that will relate to this, uh, maybe girls won't if they're listening, but it's sort of like being in school <laughs> and, and you're, you're getting picked on every day by the bully every single day and you really don't want to fight but if they finally get you to a point when you're just like okay this is going to get dirty and um they've messed with the they've messed with the wrong person and and even if i lose this fight i'm going to make this hurt so bad that they're going to really wish they hadn't pushed this and that that's where i got with politics they're like how come how come skillet isn't speaking out against Trump's America. They're not speaking out against these abortion things. They're not speaking out against the stuff happening at the border. They're not speaking out against Trump's statements about A, B, C, or D, whatever they were. And I was like, I don't want to speak. I don't want to do that. You know, the alternative. The alternative is so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meaning, you know, voting for Hillary Clinton um, or voting for Bernie Sanders, like the undoing of so many right. things I love. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to speak out about that. I just want to play music. And they they finally just pushed me so hard. I felt like, all right, it's sort of like you, now now you've made the little runt mad. Right. Like the bullies have made the runt <laughs> mad, and 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 I'm gonna grab the grab the brass knuckles. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I would just decided we have to do this. And 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 just so, so people understand where my prayer life was at at this point, I got to be honest. I really didn't want to. I really just wanted to play music, and I wanted to tell people about Jesus. And and I kept think I kept saying, God, will you raise people up to speak these things? Now at the time, you got to understand, I had never heard of something like Freedom Matters. At the time, I had never heard of all these other people that that, that have been speaking up. I just didn't know they existed on these various conservative platforms or even Christian apologetics. Uh, I'd never heard of uh, Dr. Michael Brown. I'd never heard of Frank Turek. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of any of these people, Doug Wilson. I never knew any of these people. I just thought there was literally no one doing it. And I kept asking God, raise somebody up, raise somebody up. And continually in my prayer, I kept getting this like voice in the back of my head, like going, uh, maybe it's you. You, you, maybe you're the one that's supposed to say something. And I kept thinking, it's not me. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm just a singer. And it kept happening over and over all leading up to when I finally said something, which was not political to end my long story. 2019 is when I first wrote my first thing and said something. It wasn't about politics. It was about the decon, the Christian deconstruction. It was Joshua Hare said deconstructed from the faith. Right. Then Marty Sampson, who is a songwriter for Hillsong, deconstructed his faith left and, and deconverted. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so my wife was like, John, you've been praying for three years 
that somebody would speak out against this. You're supposed to. And I said, honey, nobody's going to care what I have to say. I'm just a moron lead singer. She's like, you need to write something. And I said, nobody's going to care. And, and I said, I'm not smart enough. So she basically said, John, shut up. Quit being weak. Go write something. It's a good so woman. So I did. Good woman. So I did. And I, and, and I said, I'll put it on my Facebook. At the time, I had 3,000 Facebook followers. I was like, yeah, I'll stick it on my Facebook. Fine. I posted it. And it was the first time I had ever posted on there, actually, because I didn't know how to post mm-hmm. on Facebook. So I post it. Four hours later, my, my wife goes, John, how's that that post going on Facebook? And I said, oh, I don't know. I didn't check. I just, I'm just glad to have it done. And she said, well, why don't you check? And so I opened up this Facebook thing. It's got 2,000 shares and like 10,000 you know, likes or whatever. And I was like, what is happening? And it just it just took off. So it's really kind of a funny thing. I just talked for a really long time, but that's how I got into this. I, go ahead. Well, yeah. I'm just going to say, I, I love that story because I love the fact that it's not, you know, I I was called to do this or I had some big grand vision or grand plan. I, lo- I love the fact that you were, there was angst, there was frustration, and you were almost forced. <laughs> your Your hand was forced to respond and you did something because you must. And I think, I think that's what good men do. I think that I think that's what God requires of us. I think we are required to do the right thing, and um, I just I love that part of the story. I gotta I gotta tell you, I I always look for people like that because I think you know things that Kevin's has done in his past. You know, he didn't ask for you know things <laughs> things things that I'm experiencing right now. You know, and, and ended up never would have dreamed that I would have run for office last year. You know, none, none of these. I think what's happening in times like these. People don't aren't finding themselves in places that they ever saw themselves being, but I think again I'll just I'll say I think God requires good men to act and and we must and I don't, I don't think there is an alternative and so I, I applaud you for that because I was also thinking while you were talking too I mean man you had a a great music career like you had you know you there was something to lose right and so I. Mm. It's admirable that you would make that decision to do what you must in spite of the fact that there's a risk involved, you know? And I, so I'm just kind of curious. I want to ask you, I feel like you're running these just outside looking in. You've got these parallel paths, right? There's John with this music career and there's John that's now really in this influencer sphere of influencing the church and and kind of in a, in a political sphere. How has that, I should say, impacted your music career and was that un, has anything happened that was unexpected and related to that was there any tension among the band members sure let me answer the the that latter question first there's zero tension with the band the band is so we're all on the same page 110% That's you great. know my my band is just so fantastic my wife is a fighter as i've already kind of alluded mm-hmm. to my wife is a very very intelligent much more intelligent than i am and she's deeper in the lord than i am so the whole team is just like into it uh, you know uh, now we didn't ask for it as you said what really happened that really you know did affect my career now going to the first question would be 2020 um now 2019 certainly we got pushed back of course but that was already beginning to happen in the industry because it was perceived that if you are a Christian, uh, even if you've never spoken about politics, if you did not speak out against Trump, then you're basically for him. 
You know, so even though I'd never said anything positive or negative about Trump, um, it doesn't matter. Your silence is showing that you're a xenophobe, transphobe, hobophobe, all the phobes, you know. <laughs> and so that was already happening, which I thought was really annoying, to be honest. And so there's these assumptions and whatnot. And um, by 2020 is when I just was like, that's when I really had my a, a big wake-up call. How about that? So uh -huh. 2013 was a wake-up call. I got really involved in a lot of books. I learned a lot. I had a pretty good understanding of what was going on. It wasn't until 2020, I'd say one month into lockdown, when I was like, oh my gosh, all these things that I've read are starting, mm -hmm. they're starting to make sense now. I, I, I was going, John... Are, are you, are, am I crazy or is, is it possible that some people during these communist revolutions or, or, or even if you were a Christian, say in, in Germany in the 1940s, is it possible that you were going, <laughs> um, how bad could this get? You know, what I mean? mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like how bad could this revolution get? You know, I've read the, the gulag, ar 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 how do you say the gulag archipelago. archipelago. Yep. Sorry. So, so I read that, and I think I've understood it. And you're reading about people I think that never thought it'd get this bad. I read about Bonhoeffer, and he's just freaking out about what's going on uh, with Hitler and and the Nazis. And then you see all these Christians going, "Why are you being so alarmist? It's not like that. Keep preaching the gospel." And I started going, "Oh my gosh, are we in that place right now? Is it time for some Bonhoeffers? Indeed. You know, is it you know is it time for this?" And when I started seeing what was happening, I was pretty early on and understanding about the whole like masking stuff. This was, I mean, this was right when the George Floyd stuff was happening. Mm -hmm. Th that was my wake up call. I was like, that's it. Okay. So wait a minute. It was actually somebody I knew doesn't live in my town. Used to be a Christian had kind of gone progressive. She posted this thing on her Facebook page saying Christians are evil because they're going to church and they're not supposed to be, they're going to kill people. Three days later, <laughs> she's posting herself at a George Floyd riot yep, in Minneapolis, yep, because, no mask yeah. on, yelling. And I was like, I, I was like, I know what's happening here. <laughs> I get it. You know, the commies are coming and they're coming for us. And if people don't stand up now, you're going to lose the ability to stand up. And so when I started speaking out against the insanity of masking and then the insanity of the back stuff, the, the the music industry lost its mind. I mean, honestly, it would have been as if I if if I was like a Nazi or something. I mean, they they lost their ever loving mind. And so then Skillet was, I think, the first band in the world to announce that we would not play uh, vaccine mandated shows. Mm -hmm. And the reason is is because we were going on a tour, and all of a sudden I got the list, and and three of the venues said they required vaccines to enter. And I just said, absolutely not. We're not doing this. Now that you and then, say that, I remember that hitting the news. And I thought in that moment, yeah. ha, ha, praise God. Amen. <laughs> like some, Someone <laughs> with a platform, you know, that, yeah. that has something to lose here is going to push back against this nonsense. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Oh, well, that's very kind. I mean, I, I was just livid, you know. I was just like, no for one thing, none of my bands vaccinated. How, are they going to let me come in and play the show? Right. And I'm not about to get vaccinated just so I can play concerts. That's ridiculous. And um, I, 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 and the truth is, is I'm I'm not academic. 
I just spent about an hour reading on reading reports, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Right. I don't need this thing. And if they can force me to lock down, then they can force me to get a vax. And if they can force you to get a vax, what else can they force you to do? Amen. If they can force you to never go to church and sit in your home depressed, I, I just wasn't going to put up with it. And so I actually called my friend John Rich. You know, he's a country music yeah. guy, conservative Amen, guy. John. John's yeah, been on the, John's been on on the, the show. program. Yeah. Oh yeah, John's awesome. You know, we're not like best friends or anything, but we're friends. He's been a, a great help to me. And I just called John. I said, how do I go about this? I'm not going to play these. And he said, do it, brother. You know, that's okay. <laughs> so I made a video because my manager said, hey, we can either just ditch those shows and silently say we're canceling them, or you can make a statement. And I said, yeah, I want to make a statement because there's a lot of bands that that don't want to do this, but they need courage. Somebody's got to be the first to do it. And, uh, and I've just had enough. And so we just decided we'd do it. So, John, you, you touched on this, but I want to go a little bit deeper. Gary and I often lament the abdication of the culture by the church as being the root of the problem. And as you're talking, because I have similar experience, would you say that the Christian music industry is immune from this weakness? Um, and I'll add an asterisk or a, or a little extra point. I'm always amazed when I talk with people, and they, they just think that because I work in the Christian music business— that the Christian music business thinks like I do, thinks like we do, and they're shocked to know that a lot of our brothers and sisters, and I wouldn't consider them all communists. I know there are some communists among us in the Christian music business, but there are a lot who are the useful idiots, and I don't even mean that pejoratively, right? They're, they're uninformed, and because of peer pressure, they go along and they advance this leftist view. But I think the Christian music industry, I, if I were to de describe it, I'd pray, say probably 70% of our industry leans left. Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, nobody, I mean, look, I've been very outspoken about the industry and, and I don't mind doing that again. In fact, I will, but <laughs> let's do it. Please um, do, because our audience needs to hear that. It's not the same audience that you would have had this conversation with. So I think it'll help. No, it's good. I mean, I, I, let me say something first and then I'll come back to that. I mean, I save most of my derision for the, for the, pastors and the church leaders who have abdicated their responsibility. Mm -hmm. The musicians are just doing whatever, whatever they've been taught because musicians are artists. They're not, they're not theologians. Now I'm not saying that they, they don't have a responsibility. I'm just saying they need to be discipled by men who love God and are actually standing the line. Yes. So in 2020, I don't know if you guys remember when, when past, Sir John MacArthur came out and said, no, yes, we're yep. going against California's mandate. Yep. We're having church. I remember the next day, the, the, the week of uh, the outlet Nine Marks. Nine Marks writes an article just saying, hey, before you follow that advice, you know, everybody needs to think of this. And basically coming out against John MacArthur, we saw this all over the place. We saw the leaders of the SBC marching with BLM with their mask on. We see we saw tons of evangelical leaders say that if you like Rick Warren, if you don't get the vaccine, that you are not loving your neighbors, you're not being like Jesus. I think Rick Warren even said the government's not gonna tell you to do something that's gonna hurt you. And uh you know, it's like can, can someone give Rick Warren a history lesson? It'll take like two minutes. Yeah, you have know, him open the Bible. Some, yeah, show yeah, exactly. Show them some footage. Tell them what tell them what the beast is all throughout the Bible. Anyway, Amen. So, 
the point is, is that uh, if once you have Christian leaders doing that, the Christian musicians are just going to fall in line. They don't know any better. And most, and lots of the Christian musicians that are outspoken, they believe they are revolutionaries for Jesus, but they're just on the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all on the left because their they're revolutionary heroes are, are people who are fighting against uh, racial oppression and yada, yada, yada. Here, here's the best way to say it. I asked a friend of mine last night, I won't say who, he's a journalist. I said, hey, of all of the woke Christian music artists who yelled at me and us for the last nine years about not loving justice, about having a thin gospel, Micah 6, walk humbly, do justice, and because we didn't watch march with BLM, because we didn't care for racial justice, because we haven't done anything about white privilege, systemic racism, they've been yelling at us for nine years saying that we don't have a full gospel has any of them said anything about what Hamas did? Has one single artist said anything about the butchering of babies and rape of women that happened in Israel? And have Answer, you? Answer, not a single one. But I thought they loved justice. What you find out, they they don't love justice. They, they, they think they do because their worldview has been so mm. tainted by basically the, the secular humanistic philosophies of the day, whether it's, it's not actually pejorative to say, neo-Marxism, sort of like the the therapeutic stuff, like Freud, the therapeutic, mm-hmm. uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory. All of these things have so infected them that, that they actually don't love justice. They actually love injustice, but they call it justice. But what can I say? All of the people that they read that they cheered it. The big evangelical world wrote all of these harmful, really harmful books. And that's why in my new book, Wimpy, Weak and Woke, I don't mind saying some of these names. I quote some of the, what I believe, incorrect things that that godly men like Tim Keller, or whether it's some people, um, I don't think I quoted J.D. Greer in this book. I don't, I think I ended up taking that out maybe, but people like that just say, hey, I'm not saying they're not godly men. I'm saying they've said some really harmful things that have created uh, incorrect worldviews and they've ended up fighting against, I believe, true justice. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, people I, like Andy Stanley. Oh my gosh. Like that, yeah. You, know? you start talking about Andy Stanley. I taught a, a class of young Christian apologists and they used Andy Stanley's position, his, his pseudo well, what his real position is, saying that we needed to, un- or we could unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament. And I was so proud of my young students. These are junior hires to high school, uh, using that and debating biblically why that can't be true. But um, but you're right, because someone like Andy Stanley or uh, Tim Keller, when he was living, they have such a broad base of support in the evangelical community, and they're so influential that people follow them unthinkingly and uncritically. And instead of doing what the Bereans did, which is listen to what they say and compare it against the Bible, they just say, well, if Tim Keller said it, if Andy Stanley says it, then it must be true. Yes. You know, I'd love to touch on that because one of the things I hit pretty hard in my book, in fact, I would say this is the reason. So wimpy, weak, and woke, they all have definitions that I give in the book of what I mean when I say those Mm -hmm. things. To, To me, this is the wimpy and the and the weak part. The wimpy side is this. I think what happened in, in Christianity, in the evangelical world over the last 20 or 30 years was this. 
You had a bunch of people who I do think love God. I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying anything. I'm Tim Keller, as you said, he died last year. I I would, you know, I'd bet the farm that Tim Keller is in heaven. Right. He's a man of God. I'm going to be with him for eternity. So I'm not, I'm really not trying to beat up on him. But I think people like that went, okay, here's the deal. We agree with traditional Christianity, but the but a lot of the world on the left does not, and they don't dig it. And I don't always like the way that the people, the traditional Christians on the right, I don't always like the way they come across. So I'm going to create a third way. So we, I call them the third wayers. They create a third way option to where they go, okay, I think the right and the left are wrong. And I'm going to create a new category to where nobody can box me into something. And in that new category, in my mind, I'm going to hold to traditional Christian ethics but I'm going to signal that I really like the people on the left better. And so what they do is they end up just attacking people on the right whilst never criticizing the right. the, the people on the left or never criticizing the ideas of the left. They hardly yeah. ever stand for truth. So they always say, hey, this is what I quoted in my book. This is, this is a Tim Keller thing. Christians on the right say that, that abortion is wrong because it takes the life of the of of, of the child, and they want that to change in law. But Christians on the left also think that abortion is wrong, but they don't think that the law is the best way to do it. They think that providing more financial support is going to lead to less death. There's really no way that we can know which one to do. So Tim Keller will create a third third way position. What's the third way position? Both of these things are right. You know, so how are you going to do that? Both of these Man. things are right. We're basically you don't you don't need to have a you don't need to have a position. I'm just going to say that the people on the right sure come across like really mean, mean, mean people. And they act like that they don't really want to help the people that are suffering and they don't want to give money to the people who are suffering. And because they're all capitalists and consume to Tim Keller, capitalism and consumerism is like, you know, the worst thing in the whole world. Um, and he would never criticize the people on the left, the Christian who he would call right. Christians on the left that don't want to change the law, even though. There's a very different, there's a very different way that the Bible tells us how to go about that, about what kind of law God prefers. So in the end, I found this really harmful. I call that the the weak. That's the weak portion. The weak portion is right. the not understanding. The wimpy portion is when you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So you you don't tell them the truth. You you basically choose winsomeness over truth telling. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a uh, really does more harm. Than good. Well, and the problem too that, that that third option, as you mentioned, creates is it puts the church in a situation where the option is to do nothing. You know, you just you just sort of yes. let it be. <laughs> and, and the preference oftentimes is to do nothing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And it and what the church has done so well is it's removed itself from the public square. And now, you know, and we just this just happened locally. A newscaster here in uh Nashville, due to a local election was decrying the fact, making a statement that someone's Christian worldview really should not be part of an electoral process. I mean, where, where we're going to now, and again, I don't think it's just the world promulgating this idea. We've done it to ourselves because mm -hmm. we've promulgated this idea through the church, that we just need to be silent, we just need to love, we just need you know all the, all the things and just kind of let things be. But now where that's gone to is this idea of, and I wanted to 
ask your thoughts on this because I feel like your book, I don't know if you, you say this phrase, but I'm sure this is you're teetering around this topic of Christian nationalism. Right, the, we're, we're not supposed to bring the gospel into the political sphere. You're not supposed to bring your Christian worldview into the public square. That's what we're being told. And, and so now what the left is doing is we've got, a, we've got a word for that now. That's called Christian nationalism, and that's really, really bad. I, I push back against that. I, in my view, God owns it all. Amen. Does he not? Amen. He owns, he owns every sphere. He owns the sphere over my family. He owns the sphere over my church, and he owns the sphere over my government. He created it. It's his. Amen. It belongs to his. How should I as a believer— Someone devoted to Christ, devoted to the Word, not want to see the Word have an impact in that which God has created and owns Himself, and so I, mm-hmm. I, I think. But but back to what you were saying about the church, while the left is is talking about Christian nationalism, that's the new phrase now. I think the church, we did this to ourselves. We taught ourselves how to be silent. We taught ourselves how to accept the narrative of the left. And that's what we've taught generations. And to your point earlier about these artists, you're right. We don't have men who are discipling other young men to be warriors. They, they are weak and wimpy. That's, that's what we've produced. But we've done that. It's not, the left mm-hmm. hasn't done that to us. We've done that. We've got to break out of that cycle. And wouldn't you say, Gary Gary and John, I'll give you both the opportunity to respond to this, but one of the principal reasons for the failure of the church in our culture today, meaning the people of God, the evangelicals, we could, the people of God do not know what time it is. They're living as if we are in the 1980s era evangelical culture where there's a at least some notion of government supporting not only religious liberty, but supporting the created order with regard to the establishment of its laws and the carrying forth of, of true justice. But if you look around today, I would argue that we are much more akin to the time of the first century church when Rome was persecuting the church. And so if that's the case, our model ought to be the book of Acts, not 1980s evangelical culture. What do you say? Yeah, but you guys just said so much that I, I amen, I amen all of it. I mean, here's the thing. We are acting like it's the 80s, which is why we're doing the third way thing, uh, which I agree. I think we're in this position because the church is not being the church, not standing against evil. And yes, I do think, I don't, I don't even think it was the left even pushing this. I think that Christian evangelicals have done it because they thought it was going to curry them favor mm-hmm. with, quote unquote, the world. So if I act like, I'm not against their ideas, creating my third way position, that I, maybe I could lead them to the Lord. And the reason they are weak philosophically is because they they didn't understand how terrible, how destructive, how evil America could become if we just let these things go. And, and, and I amen everything you just said about Christ being Lord of the nations, Christ being Lord of, of the government. Yeah, I agree with all that, but I'm going to take a different route only to try to win over people that might go, well, I'm not really a Christian. I don't really know about all this Jesus is Lord over the nations thing. So let's go a different way. Here's what I would say about the whole Christian nationalism thing. The thing that's really sad is I first heard of Christian nationalism for the first year, not from the world. I heard about it 
from people who call themselves evangelicals, mm-hmm. like David French and Beth Moore. <laughs> oh, boy. And, oh, he's a local, pe- unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. People freaking out about how evil Christians are because they're all they've all gone Christian nationalists. Even even uh, even a Christian rapper and in my world, a Christian rapper kept talking about Christian nationalism. I thought, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to talk about it from a theological point of view. Let's just go philosophical. These people are all smart people. They're either lying, or they have bad motives, or they've just lost. They're delusional. Because the quote-unquote Christian nationalism that we're trying to do when we talk about, well, uh, I'm against abortion because the Bible says fill in the blank. That's not Christian nationalism. And, you know, spoiler alert for all these really intellectual people that have gone delusional. That is the American system. You would not have America if it wasn't for Christianity. So we are not trying to take over America with a whole brand new set of, of, of morals. You would not have freedom of speech if it weren't for Christianity. You would not have freedom to assemble if it weren't for Christianity. I mean, you can go down the list of all the things that that we celebrate in America that makes this the freest, most prosperous nation on on planet Earth, not just for the religious person, but for the anti-religious person, right? Like if if you're an atheist, this is a great country to live in because you can say what you want to say, do what you want to do. All of that exists because of Christianity. We don't have uh, totalitarianism in America because of Christianity. So we're not actually trying to That's like right. to do do something new. We're trying to hold to what this country was. And I just all I can say to these Christians that are freaking out about Christian nationalism or wanting to curry favor with the with the progressive left, I write about it in my book. I don't think you understand how close we are to destruction and what that is going to mean for your grandchildren, what it's going to mean for the freedom to speak the gospel, for the freedom to go to church and to still say that the word of God is true and that Jesus is the exclusive only way to heaven. We're going to get to a a multicultural totalitarianism that is going to be so not tolerant. Right. Uh, I mean, they are going to be so not tolerant against Christianity. Um, it is going to be brutal. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know if these people just think they're going to curry enough favor with uh, the progressive left to keep them out of the gulags. I think that's what they think, but it ain't going to happen. Yeah, so, you know, wake up. And that's what my book is trying to get people to do. Yeah. Multiculturalism has always been a fraud. You cannot have multicultures and have a culture work. You must operate according to a shared value system or it all falls apart. And for those who try to advance multiculturalism, what they don't realize, as you kind of implied there, John, is that when the enemy gets to the end, he's going to eliminate every culture except his own, right? And it certainly won't be supportive of Christianity. In fact, that's the lie of postmodernism. Postmodernism uses the tool of there is no objective reality, there is no objective reason, there's no objective truth, there's no absolutes, but the reality is that's just a tool. They absolutely do believe in absolute truth. In fact, the assumption that you that that whole statement is based upon assumes that there's absolute truth. What they're arguing for is a different authority. They don't want the authority yes. of God. They don't want the authority of the scriptures. They want the authority of presumed autonomous man, right? Man decides, and therefore government that's comprised of men decides, we will decide. But it has nothing to do with, oh, because if it did, 
Live and let live, right? They would say, well, there's no objective reality. Well, then why would they object to you and me saying Jesus Christ is Lord? They could just say, oh, that's your opinion. But they fear that, and they would much rather have a different authority. 100% true. Yes, I agree with that. If, if I could say this, uh, I think that, that Christians need to understand that what we are up against right now is a exactly what you just said, a totalizing kingdom. It, it, it is not near as tolerant as what they act like. Mm-hmm. It, and and I think there's just one great way to say it. You know, I was arguing with somebody this week. They were mad. It's a Christian, Christian manager in the Christian music world that is mad that I spoke out against like the, the drag queens going to the double wards and trying to change the Christian music industry mm-hmm. to become inclusive of drag queen artists and things like that. He was mad. And in the end, he finally said, John, I agree with you on the theology, but whenever you say it, he's like speaking out against it. He's like, that's not what Christ would do because we don't want to seem like we're people of hate. And so I said to him, I said, would you feel the same way if a quote unquote Christian KKK artist came to the double wars? If instead of dressing like a woman, what if he wore a hood? a white hood. And then would you be like, we don't need to say anything because it's going to turn people off for the gospel. And he's sitting there not answering me. I said, yeah, exactly. You know that you would feel differently about it because this lie of postmodernism, the lie of the, the multiculturalism and my truth and authenticity, they don't really mean Mm -hmm. it. It's a totalizing kingdom. It's just a front for secular progressivism. So if people read my book, they're going to understand nothing is going to happen in culture that's going to shock you when Hamas goes in and starts butchering babies. You're not going to be surprised. When college kids start cheering Hamas, yeah. butchering yeah. those babies, you're not going to be shocked. Yeah. When drag queens show up at your kid's school, you're not going to be shocked. And I give 650 footnotes in the book from the original folks, Marx, Freud, Foucault, all the postmodern people, so that the Christian can be... um. Well, let me say this one more thing. I just said I, yeah. I was almost done, but the the reason I want the Christian to be able to to be able to defend what he knows is true, and the reason I say that is, I remember arguing with a couple of Christian music artists. They were mad at me that I was talking against critical race theory, and they were suggesting that I don't know what it is. They're like, you don't even know what it is. People on the right <laughs> just say that they call everything critical race theory because all you want to do is win an argument. And so I start talking to them about critical race theory. And, you know, as it ends up, I know more about critical race theory than they do. They don't actually know what it is. They've just gotten used to saying that people on the right don't know what it is. So get my book. You'll understand what critical race theory is. You'll see why it is against the Christian worldview, why it really is hate. It really is racism. And then you'll be ready for these conversations when people say, well, you don't even know what, you know, queer theory is or whatever it may be. And the last thing I'll say about the book is I don't just talk about all these terrible things. All throughout the book, I give the Christian answer to it. Um, It's not just why Marx was wrong. It's why the Bible is right. And I hope that it can create a positive vision for a future for the average, ordinary Christian or American. So, John, I know that you've got a really tight time window. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to tell our audience where they can get your book. Well, thank you so much for having me. So the book releases November 14th. On the 14th, it will be available on Amazon. And if you want to pre-order it, it's always going to be available on my website, johnlcooper.com. 
And that's and John with an H. The last thing I'll say is that, oh, go ahead. That's go ahead. John with an H. J-O-H-N. Yes, yes. J-O-H-N, middle initial L, Cooper.com. And if people are like, I don't really know if I want to order that or not, go to my website, sign up for my mailing list. I'm going to send you a link for a free audio recording of the first chapter so you can hear what it's about. Say, is that the kind of thing I'd be into? Does that sound interesting or not? And if you like it, pre-order it. Um, and it is uh, going to be a great gift for Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Well, John, brother, it's been a, a blessing to have you on the show. I will say it's it's awesome to have a brother in the Lord, you know, uh, not just pushing back against the left, but also issuing a challenge to the church mm, himself. And, and so thank you for that. And uh, so Wimpy, Weak, and Woke, uh, How the Truth Can Save America from Utopian Destruction by Mr. John Cooper. We're excited about the book coming out. We're so thankful to have you on the show. Thank you, brother, for your work and for, again, for, for challenging the church to stand up to these false ideologies that have infiltrated our church communities. And thank you, brother, for your Amen. work. Thanks, John. Thank you for having me, guys. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. <laughs>